Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. tonight. We're so thankful for that, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can be seated tonight. Brother Zach, if you can start my time. Oh, you're on it. He's on us. I got to jump right in, y'all, because I'm telling you, I got a lot to cover, and I'm finishing tonight, okay? So we are getting on the track, and we are going to head towards the finish line, and it's going to be one of those nights that I hope you can listen fast, because I'm going to be talking fast. And if you can't, you can go back to the podcast later and maybe play in slow motion and try to catch what you missed tonight. Um, I know you all are here tonight in the middle of a work week as you normally are on Wednesday nights. I applaud you and I thank you for being here. I appreciate our guests that are here with us tonight and uh, we are excited to see you. Good to see some, not guests, just some old home folk coming back to see us tonight. We're glad to see you, Sister Hamilton, Brother Nathan. We're good to see you tonight. Some of you, if you're just joining us, we are on our last night of talking about marriage, uh, fighting for your marriage and not each other. But for those that are here that are not married, this can apply if you're going to get married at some point or if you're not married. Things of this that we're going to talk about can apply in different avenues and areas of your life, okay? Um, I know you all some are tired and you've been working, and hopefully I can talk quick enough and keep it interesting enough that you don't fall asleep on me. Um, but uh, I'm actually on my fourth week of working. Uh, I'm going on a month now working full-time, subbing full-time, and I probably will be for the remainder of the school year. So you all just pray for me. You know what already kind of busy life I have with that on top of it. So, All right, so love and respect part two tonight. We know that the goal is to get couples off the crazy cycle and onto the energizing cycle. As I told you last week, this is based on the book, Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egrick, and everything I'm going to talk about comes out of that book. So if you find this interesting, go read it. I promise you, you won't regret it. Husbands and wives can learn to speak the love and respect message on a daily basis. But understand, it's something you learn. It's not always something that's going to come natural and easy. And some people don't like to do something if it doesn't come easy to them. But it's definitely worth it to have a successful marriage. So Dr. Emerson, in order to break it down and make it a little bit more understandable, I told you last week about love and respect, and I told you this week I was going to break it down in actually how to speak the language of love to your wife, how to speak the language of respect to your husband. So he created the acronym COUPLE, C-O-U-P-L-E, which was advice for husbands on closeness, openness, understanding, peacemaking, loyalty, and esteem. And he made the acronym CHAIRS, C-H-A-I-R-S, to give advice to women on how to speak respect, including things like conquest, hierarchy, authority, insight, relationship, and sexuality. And just as a prelude, at the end, I am going to dive a little bit into some intimacy issues, so if anyone has any concerns about that ahead of time, I'm just letting you know. So first, we're going to talk about couples, all right? This is advice for husbands. So guys, if you've been working today and you're tired, I'm going to hit you first, Okay so that you can catch it all before we switch over to talking to the ladies, okay? Now, many times, as I told you last week, women confront to connect. Many times husbands think they're just trying to confront in order to control. But really, what the wife is doing is crying out for their husband to love them. When wives confront and husbands withdraw, 
the typical wife is just going to try that much harder to try to access his heart. But think about this. If you're a pilot and you're in a plane and you're up in the sky, let's say you're in a lot of clouds. If you've ever flown, you know sometimes you can look out the window and it's just a white wall that you see. How does a pilot know where he's at in the sky? If he can't rely on his vision, if he can't rely on what he sees out the window, he's looking at an instrument panel, right? He's looking to see where it tells him where he's located, his latitude, his longitude. Even if the pilot would say, I feel like we are right side up, but the instrument panel is saying you're upside down, he has to rely on the instrument panel regardless of how he feels so he doesn't crash, right? Okay, so guys, we're going to look at these six topics, these six areas that can help you speak the language of love to your wife. And I want you to think about this as your instrument panel. You're like, man, based on how I feel, what I see, what I hear, I just don't know. But I'm telling you, if you can listen and follow these topics. So we're on the side that says couple. That's what we're going to be working through, okay? Now listen, guys, this is not about you guys getting in touch with your feminine side, okay? No, we want you to be men all the way, okay? Do you ever hear people tell women to get in touch with their masculine side? Uh, no, okay? The Bible tells us that men are not to be effeminate. Isn't that true? Okay, we're not asking you to put on pink sunglasses. I brought my, sun, my little glasses tonight. We're not asking the guys to put on the pink glasses. We're just asking you to adjust your blue glasses just a little bit in order to become a man of honor, okay? To turn to a wife, your wife, in the middle of a conflict and say, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? That takes guts. And it's not pleasant, but it is powerful because it has the power to drain negativity from a conflict and even take it to a place where a conversation can be talked about, okay? You want connectivity with your wife, all right? So energize your wife in these six ways and see how God will work, all right? So we're going to start with C. The handout you have, I'm not going to necessarily touch on what you see. Those are areas, ways, things to say, things to do, examples, kind of in the same way I gave you the handout for examples of the love languages, things you can you can take those home and see, okay? And Brother Zach, I, or it's Mariah up there. I don't have all the scriptures preloaded, so you can fly with me or I can read them. Genesis 2.24 says that a man will leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. Now, in Hebrew, cleaving means to cling, to hold, to keep close. Two are joined together as one flesh. Think about this. Did you know that in all of God's creation, only human beings are sexually intimate face-to-face? Isn't that amazing? That's amazing, isn't it? That's pretty cool. But cleaving to your wife, to your spouse, it's more than sexual. It also can mean spiritual and emotional closeness. Think about the scripture in Deuteronomy 24.5 that says, When a man takes a new wife, he shall not go out with the army, nor be charged with any duty. He shall be free at home one year and shall give happiness to his wife whom he has taken. Now, can you imagine in our day and age, if you got married and you got to have a whole year off of work just to be at home and get to know your wife and have happiness and pleasure and enjoy time together? I mean, wouldn't that be swell? It's not reality in our day and age. Now, some people be like, uh-uh, no thanks. But I'm telling you, in the Old Testament, that's what the Israelites did. When they got married, the man was excused from his duty, whether it was going out to war, whether it was working. He was allowed to be free at home. Why is that? Because the Israelites knew the importance of connecting with your wife before the busyness of life kept them away. 
before children came into the picture, before life began to pull them separate ways, okay? Guys, for your wife, face-to-face time is heart-to-heart time, okay? Now, this is not about becoming like women who sit at a little table in a coffee shop and look at each other and sip cappuccino, okay? You're a man, and your wife loves you for being a man, okay? But when you do move towards her and show her that you want to connect, just watch what happens. It will motivate her. I want you to think about a line, and on this side is independence, and on this side is involvement, okay? And you have a choice on how involved you want to be with your wife or how independent you want to be from your wife, okay? You have a choice. You can stay firmly on the side of independence, demand your space. I've worked a long week, and I'm not going to be henpecked by her. I'll do whatever I want, and she better show me some respect, okay? But... If you are truly committed to being a loving, respectful wife, you don't have to fear that your wife will not show you respect, okay? As much as you want your spouse to treat you, you should treat them the same way, all right? There's an old story about a couple having dinner in a restaurant. The wife sees another couple about their age in a booth nearby. She sees the husband sitting close to his wife with his arm around her. He's whispering things in her ear, and she's smiling and blushing. He's rubbing her shoulder and touching her hair. The woman turns to her husband and says, look at that couple over there. Look how close that man is to his wife, how he's talking to her. Look how sweet he is. Why don't you ever do that? Her husband looks up from his Caesar salad and glances over at the next booth and turns to her and says, honey, I don't even know that woman. (laughs) The key takeaway here is that being close costs nothing. Two couples, same restaurant, two different booths. What cost that man to sit close to his wife and talk to his wife? Nothing. It only costs your time and your love. True? True. Pastor, can you run in my office and grab my love and respect book? I have a story I want to share later that's in there, and I forgot to bring it out. Number two, O. O is for openness. She wants you to open up to her, Okay. Now, wives, women, man, they want the problems all out in the open. Man, let's just get everything on the table so that we can talk about it, discuss it, and solve it, all right? Now, husbands, guys, they're a little bit opposite. They kind of play it close to the vest, all right? They kind of keep it a little bit closer. But, man, women, they got that intuition, and they sense an issue, and they keep coming at the problem, trying to find a way in, trying to figure it out, what's going on, because she longs for his love, and her, for her, that's experienced by being openly connected with his heart. One wife said this. She said, my husband is completely disengaged. It's really difficult being around him. He never talks. I have no idea what would touch his heart, and I would really like to know. It seems as if I'm stumbling around in a dark room, and the light switch is not where it's supposed to be. Dr. Emerson recalls his own wife wanting to discuss any marital issues they had on a daily basis. And he thought, my goodness, if we have to discuss problems on a daily basis, man, then we've really got some major problems. But what he said was, I actually misunderstood my wife Sarah's purpose behind the talk. Me, seeing through my blue glasses, I thought it was a rebuke for my failure to be loving. So what would I do? I'd pull back because I didn't want to feel disrespected. I would respond to her questions many times with silence. So you know what she would do? She would move towards me with even more questions, trying to figure out what the difficulty was. And then I withdrew even more. 
And that's what just kept the crazy cycle spinning and spinning. He said, now I try to stay on the energizing cycle by decoding Sarah's messages when she starts asking me questions or pressing me for information. Here's the key takeaway, guys. When husbands are open and really make it a point to share their heart, your wife is going to respond positively to you. If something happened in your day and you tell your wife you don't want to talk about it, there's a lot of women that are automatically going to assume they did something wrong. He's upset at me. How many times, wives, have you, you know there's something wrong, and your husband says, I don't want to talk about it. And your first assumption is, it's me. He's upset at me. I did something wrong. He doesn't want to talk about it because he doesn't want to tell me. And it could be something as simple as he had a bad day, something bad happened at work, okay? So, guys, remember that. And if something is going on, it's okay to say, I have an issue. It happened at work. It has nothing to do with you. I just really don't want to talk about it right now, but I'm not upset at you. Simple as that. It allays their fears. Okay? You. You is for understanding. This goes back to the don't try to fix her, just listen. Now, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, okay? And you might say, how can I be an understanding husband? The most powerful weapon you have is your ears, okay? Just listening to what your wife has to say, she'll be very likely to feel like she is being understood. Now, guys got the blue glasses? They got the blue hearing aids, okay? Message sent isn't always message received, okay? So for a guy to sit down and just listen is not always his strong suit, right? A couple sentences and they're clocked out, right? So to actually truly engage and listen doesn't always come naturally, okay? A guy is way better equipped to analyze, give answers, fix it, because men are doers. They're men of action, right? But showing empathy and understanding to your wife is very important to her, right? Uh, recently, my husband and I had this happen. My, I was having issues with my phone, and I lost some pictures, and I called him just terribly upset. He was at the church studying. Horrible time to interrupt him, of course, because, you know, not because of him, but, you know, I should have just waited, but I was so distraught. So he came immediately home, and, man, he went to work trying to fix it. And, you know, you could tell he was kind of frustrated, and he was trying to fix it. And then I'm just like, don't you understand? I'm just so upset. What if these pictures are gone forever? And he's like, babe, they're not gone forever. They're in the cloud. They are in the cloud. We'll get them back, okay? Don't stress. But I'm just like, I just, I, I just needed him to sympathize with me and feel sorry for the stress that I was enduring, okay? Right? So you guys, I'm sure every single one of you have had a similar instance in your home that you can probably relate to, okay? Here's the thing. There's a lot of times I call him, I want him to help me fix the problem because he's way smarter in some areas than I am for sure. But you know what I want first? First, I want you just to care about what I'm feeling, okay? You don't always have to be the fixer first, but listen and show up empathy. I want to share a quick video. So those of you in leadership have seen this. Brother Mason shared it. If you've seen it, you may have seen it running around, but it's called It's Not About the Nail. Can you play that for me up there?
is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on! Ow. If you would just don't. Try to see things my way. Not about the nail. Sometimes, guys, she just wants you to listen. Okay? It's so true. You guys want to fix it? Sometimes she just needs you to listen. Remember this. Think about your wife like a tea kettle, okay? Throughout the day, emotions build up, thoughts build up through the day, and she needs to talk about them in order to just release them, okay? They need to talk a little each day. It can't wait till tomorrow, and it can't wait till the next day, all right? Now, guys, this is hard for you to comprehend because you can compartmentalize. You can put your life in neat boxes, the marriage box, my problem box, my work box, and you can store it in there indefinitely and just decide, eh, a few days from now, I'll pull that out and we'll talk about it. Not for the wife. It's the tea kettle. It's building up steam and you got to talk about it, okay? So understand that she is created differently from you and she just needs you sometimes just to understand, just to listen, okay? All right, P. P is for peacemaking. She wants you to say, I'm sorry, okay? I touched on this a couple weeks ago, but it's worth saying again. Conflict is not a sign that you have a bad marriage. Every marriage will have conflict. Now, you might say, but we never fight or argue. That doesn't mean you don't have conflict. What it probably means is that one or both spouses are not adept at being assertive, and instead of addressing uncomfortable topics or issues, they'll just bury them and stuff them down instead and not talk about them. Does this mean there's no conflict? Does this mean there's no negative feelings? No. What it usually means is that things don't get discussed like they need to be or resolved, okay? Now, most couples who have worked through some level of conflict and were committed to a resolution, they come out stronger and closer than if the, as if the conflict never occurred. What I'm trying to say is this, a piece of metal, like a metal rod that's been broken, if you put the two pieces together and you weld them back together, that piece of metal there is now stronger than it was before it was broken. So the idea is that conflict can actually work to make couples stronger and bring them closer together as they're able to work together to solve problems and issues in order to be able to connect in their marriage, okay? Now, a wife, she wants reconciliation of any issues. This will help her feel loved and at peace. So she's not really trying to provoke you when she comes at you with an issue. She does want to work it out, and she wants to make sure you're not angry and move forward, okay? Now, here's a key takeaway to, to take note of. When a woman says the words, I'm sorry, to her, that's an increase of love, okay? But when a man says, I'm sorry, he has a fear that he's going to lose respect, okay? And that's why sometimes it's hard. But saying sorry with sincerity will put your wife at peace. Now, you might say, I've said sorry, and my wife didn't respond well. She continues to disrespect, 
Okay? At that point, it's beneficial. My mic keeps cutting in now. Do I need to switch? Okay. It may be beneficial at that moment to say, I'm seeking to give in to you and to be loving, but I am feeling disrespected. What am I saying to you that is unloving? Okay? When you begin to give that type of approach, the women will respond well, okay? And will meet you halfway. All right? That's peacemaking in a woman's world. All right, let's talk about L. L is for loyalty. She needs to know that you are committed. How many times, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I can testify to this because it's happened in my own house. How many times, guys, have you heard your wife say, do you love me? How much do you love me? What do you love about me? My husband can probably count on two hands a number. I said, you love me? How much do you, haven't I, babe? Said, how much do you love me? Do you love me? So he'll usually tease me and put his arms out this much, you know. But your wife needs reassurance of your love. You need to tell her because it will energize her. Your wife, men, needs to know that you're committed to her. And especially in the day and age we live, and it's so sad but true that our men are bombarded daily with scantily clad women, whether it's on a billboard, on the TV, on a commercial, or even just at the mall. Okay, and that can make wives feel really insecure in that area as a woman, especially as an apostolic woman that dresses modestly and doesn't try to compete with the world. They need reassurance from their husband that their husband is committed to them in this area. And it's especially detrimental, guys, if you revert to jokes or teasing. Yeah, we've been married so many years, I'm going to trade you in on a new model. Now, it may seem funny and she may laugh, but sometimes you have to pay attention because those type of things can actually be really hurtful. Okay, Job 3.11, Job said that he was going to make a covenant with his eyes not to look on any other woman with sexual longing. That is pretty awesome, and all husbands can learn from Job. Okay, When wives know that their husband is committed to making God the Lord of his life in every area, including his marriage, it will help her feel more secure. Because we all know the scripture says that God hates divorce, doesn't he? He hates divorce. God wants couples to keep their vows until death do us part. Divorce should not be joked about. So do everything you can to let your wife know you're committed to her for as long as you both shall live. Okay? E. E is for esteem. She wants you to honor her and to cherish her. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 3 and 7, and it tells husbands to live in an understanding way with their wives, to show her honor, the Bible says, as a fellow heir of the grace of life. And he goes on to say at the very end of the verse, why should you do this? So that your prayers be not hindered. Now that's interesting. Dr. Emerson had a gentleman come into his office because he wanted some counseling because he kept telling him, Dr. Emerson, I'm really struggling with my prayer life. And Dr. Emerson said, really? He said, how are you treating your wife? No, I'm not talking about my wife. Ha I I'm having issues with my prayer life. He goes, oh, yeah, I, am, I hear you. You're struggling. H how are you treating your wife? You don't understand. I'm not talking about my wife. And Dr. Emerson, he said, it's scriptural that men's prayers, the Bible tells us, can be hindered if they're not treating their wife with honor and with kindness and with love. Okay. A good husband is spoken. Proverbs 31, we often talk about the Proverbs 31 woman. It goes through all these awesome attributes of a great wife, a great mother. But the scripture in Proverbs 31 does tell us 
that the good husband rises up and praises her, okay? Which is an awesome thing to attribute to the husband. The husband has taken note of his wife, and he has risen up and praised her. Now, the way to honor your wife is to treasure her, okay? Now, the type of honor we could say respect that your wife wants, guys, it's different from the honor that you seek as a man, okay? For her, respect is wrapped up in love, okay? Respect, honor, and esteem are not qualities in and of themselves for your wife, but they're actually just components of the love she wants from you. Your wives don't have a desire to be the head or the chair of the relationship, okay? If it's a godly woman that's truly wanting to submit to her husband, but she does want to be first in importance to you. Husbands, your wife wants to know that you value her and treasure her more than anybody else on the face of the earth outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? She also, guys, she needs to hear that you support her. She needs assurance from you that she is a good wife. And if it's applicable, a good mother. Now, guys, many men tie their self-image and self-worth into who they are out in the world, out in the field, what they do. But many women tie their self-worth into who they are in the family, okay? So you can affect your wife's self-esteem by how you respond to her in the home, especially when you disagree. There's three things you can say when you disagree, okay, that can actually help diffuse it, not allow for negativity. You could say, honey, thank you for sharing your opinion. Now, this is when you disagree, okay? You see things in an opposite way. Honey, thank you for sharing your opinion. Or two, you could say, honey, let me think about that. In other words, that relates to her that you have heard her, and you're going to think about what she said. Or number three, you could say, sweetheart, even though I don't feel the same way you do about this, I value your opinion, and I trust your heart, okay? That lets her know, I may not do everything the way that you suggested or talked about, but I still value the things that you say. I value what you have shared, okay? So we know that many times guys are activity-driven, self-worth out in the field, but one thing you have to understand about women is that you don't just want to esteem her for what she does, okay? You also should just cherish her for who she is, just who she is. One woman, she began to tell her husband how she was feeling so down. She was comparing herself to all the accomplishments of her sister. And if you know anything about women, we have a really bad habit sometimes of being our own worst critic and comparing ourselves to everybody else around us and how they're so much better, look so much better, have accomplished so much more. And that's what this woman was doing. And after listing all these things to her husband, she was talking about her sister, she says, what do I do? And her very wise husband looked at her and said, you make me happy. Isn't that awesome? You make me happy. And all of that comparison just went away and didn't matter anymore so much. Not saying it didn't matter, but it definitely made her feel valued and cherished by her husband. Okay? All right. Flip your page, all right? Chairs. Now, guys, I've talked to you. Now I'm going to talk to the girls. You're welcome to listen in. be great if you didn't clock out, but if you do, that's okay. <laughs> all right, so Proverbs 14.1 tells us this. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. So a wise woman is using her hands to build up her house, but a foolish woman is going to destroy her own house with her own hands, okay? So 
What we have to work on, girls, myself included, is becoming more respectful women, all right? Now, wives, they don't need a lot of coaching on being more loving, okay? For a lot of women, being loving is just kind of built in naturally. But what men, what husbands need is unconditional respect, okay? We talked about that a little bit last week and why that's important. I don't have time to go back. You can listen to the podcast if you want to. But this was really neat. Dr. Emerson devised what he called the respect test, okay? He had a group of women, a group of wives, and he asked these women, I want you to spend a little bit of time, and I want you to think about what you respect about your husband, okay? And then he told them, I want you to go home, wait until your husband is not distracted, not busy, and just say these words, you know, I was thinking about you today and several things about you that I respect, and I just want you to know that I respect you. Now, after saying this, the wives were not to wait for a response, just to kind of mention something they needed to do and leave the room, and then wait and see what happened. Now, one wife reported she started to leave the room, and her husband said, wait, come, come, come back. What things? What are you talking about? And the wife began to share some of the things that she respected about him because she was wise, and she made a list beforehand. The next thing he said was, wow, hey, can I take the family out to dinner? Which is something he would normally never do. And the wife said, we had some obligations. The kids had some activities. So I said, hey, honey, can we take a rain check? Yes, honey, that's fine. She said, and I went off to do something. Then I turn around, and he's in the kitchen banging pots and pans making dinner. She's like, you know, mind blown. What was going on? Because a man's first And fundamental impulse is to serve, especially in response to being honored. When a man has been honored, it's kind of an ingrained impulse to serve. Now, not all wives are going to get the same response as this one, okay? Understand, it's not always going to happen, especially if there's been trouble in the marriage. However, you should show him respect regardless of his response. How is that possible? It's a step of faith, girls. Now, some wives would say, I know you're sitting there thinking, but there's not really anything I really respect about my husband. But a wife who has this statement in her heart usually is too angry about things or too discouraged to think about what she can respect in her husband. So for this wife, you have to ask, is my husband, who has seemingly been unaware and unloving as he has been, is he a man of basic goodwill? If the answer is yes, then, wives, you can start making a list. And here's what I want you to do when you start to make that list. You don't always have to focus on his performance. You can focus on his desire. Honey, thank you for seeking to provide for our family. Honey, thank you for striving to make sure that our family is in church. Honey, thank you for taking care of us. You can find things if you look for them, okay? So let's start to talk about this language of respect. And chair, C, first one. C is for conquest. Appreciate his desire to work and to achieve. Now, conquest refers to the natural inborn desire of a guy to go out and conquer the challenges of his world, to work and to achieve. Okay? So let's create a scene that might illustrate how a man would feel about conquest. All right? So picture this in your mind. And some of you may be able to even relate. Suppose a husband has just lost his job. He comes home, and he tells his wife. He looks shattered. 
He's dazed, feels defeated. To help her husband, the wife says, it doesn't matter, honey. All that matters is that we love each other. Does this seem to help? He looks at her blankly, shrugs, and sits down in front of the TV. And for the rest of the evening, he's withdrawn, not wanting to talk. And his wife is baffled. She tried to comfort him, and now he's withdrawn. What happened? What happened is pink and blue are added again. Pink tried to comfort, but blue was offended. So, you're say- so girls, you're saying, hey, if I tried to comfort him and he didn't accept it, then that's not on me. But picture it in a different scenario. Let's create another scene. Wife, you've just had a miscarriage. And the husband comes to you and says, honey, it doesn't matter as long as we love each other. Now you might say, hey, that's not fair. That's comparing apples to oranges. How can you compare losing a job to losing a baby? But what you have to understand and what we have to understand, it's not about the value of what was lost, okay? It's understanding the things that are important to your husband and how even things like a job can be really important to him, okay? Because a lot of men will find their self-worth in being able to provide for their family, pay the bills, put food on the table. Think about it. When two guys meet for the first time, they've never met, they shake hands, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm so-and-so, What's the first thing that most guys ask ask each other? What do you do for a living? Where do you work? What do you do, right? Because it's caught up in that, their self-image, their self-worth. And right or wrong, I'm not saying it's good or bad, most men do identify by what they do, okay? So what's important for us as a wife is that we're thanking our husband for what he does. Let him know, I believe in you, honey. I'll stand by your side. Whatever life brings, I know. I thank you for your desire. Because sometimes things happen that are out of their control. That doesn't mean that they don't have a desire. It means that life happened. But they need to know that you're standing by their side, that you don't see them as a failure, and that you love them, and you respect them, and you are there. Okay? All right, H. H is for hierarchy, appreciating his desire to protect and provide. Now, that might sound a little redundant, but we're going to dig a little deeper here. Another built-in desire for guys is that of being a protector, okay? Isn't that a great image of Christ? We even sing about that song, you know, protector. That's another, you know, we talk about a marriage between a man and a wife. It's symbolic of Christ in the church. It's a built-in desire for men to be a protector and if necessary to die for them if there is someone coming into your house with a gun the husband is going to make sure the wife and the children are safe and if anyone has to face that intruder who's it going to be the man that's right because they have an in they're not going to say honey wife you go out there and see what's going on i'm going to stay back here with the kids most guys will be the one to step out because it's ingrained in them to be the protector. Now, some women, they get so afraid of this idea of hierarchy or the husband being the head. But if we understand it biblically, we don't have a reason to fear. You can even look, I won't read it, but you can look in Ephesians 5.22. This is not about husbands being superior, it's about them being responsible. How many remember the phrase from Spider-Man, the greater the power, the greater the responsibility. That's right. The higher up you are, the more weight is placed on your shoulders. Okay? You can then see this example in the church where a pastor is responsible for his flock and isn't he not, can the Bible say, going to give an account to the things that he has said? 
and done, right? He, it's on him. And the same kind of concept can be said that the man is placed as the head, but that also gives him more responsibility. The woman, the Bible says, was created for the man, true? Adam had been created, the world, the animals, all that. And then Eve was created for Adam out of his side, out of his rib. So the husbands have the responsibility of caring for and protecting his wife, okay? Now, this also involves him working to provide for her, okay? And you say, well, we talked about providing, but understand this goes a little deeper because this also layers into the idea of protection because if he's providing for his family financially, they have a roof over their head, right? They have food on their table. They have clothes on their back. They have protection, okay? Now, in this day and age, it's so common that many families have to both work in order to have ends meet. There's two incomes. And so for some women, they may say, I'm not dependent on my husband. That's something old and out of date. I can take care of myself, okay? But we have to go back and see, well, how does the Bible set this up? It's not wrong for two people to work, but there still is a hierarchy that God has instilled for marriages. One of the problems today for many women, even including Christian wives, is they want to be treated like a princess. They want to be treated like a queen, but they want, don't want to treat their husband like the king, okay? Now you might say, man, you know, that just not in our day and age with all this feminist stuff, but this is not about being a doormat, being under the feet of your husband. This is just about allowing yourself sum to submit to him and showing him respect for the position that God has placed him in, okay? Men many times see themselves as over their families, and that's why a husband will be extra sensitive during conflict when he hears things that sound like put-downs. They can come across as sounding so belittling. For example, let's say you're discussing finances and you're just talking about how they're just so terrible or, you know, things are just awful. And for a husband who, if he's the provider, it could come across as belittling or he's a failure and he's not providing enough because he feels that that's his responsibility to protect and to provide okay so we just have to watch what we say and how we say it all right a a is for authority appreciate his desire to serve and to lead now at one of the marriage seminars the topic was presented the husband's authority in the home one wife spoke up a very eager wife and said i want him to be the head i want him to be the leader i just want to make sure that he makes decisions in keeping with what i want well the room erupted with laughter she didn't mean anything bad by it but it kind of got across the idea another couple decided when they got married that the husband would make all the major decisions and the wife would make all the minor decisions after 20 years, the husband realized there had not been one major decision to make yet. Everything was a minor decision, so the wife could decide. Now, many wives will tell you, hey, I'm a better decision maker than my husband. And that could be true. Many women are. And so they struggle deferring to their husband and maybe sometimes letting them be the decision maker. And a wife with a strong personality, she may have an even harder time submitting to her husband and may have trouble being more of an encourager. Now, my husband has many times said that I'm a good encourager, but I know in and of myself that I have a strong personality. And there's been times whenever we had a discussion about something that maybe we disagreed. But one thing that I think he will say is that if we disagreed and I wanted to do something and he said, no, that's not a good idea, that I have been submissive to what he said. 
and I've got and God honors that, ladies. God honors that because He's honored me. And there's been probably every single time in the book I've come back and said, I'm glad I listened to what you said, because God honored my respect to you and it came out okay. All right. Many Christian wives get real uneasy sometimes with the idea of things like headship and authority. But the Bible does say that we are to submit to our husbands as to the Lord. Okay? Now, we're not just submitting in the sense of he's the boss and telling us what to do. But by submitting, we're kind of, think about just having his arm around you and you're kind of up under his shoulder. You're putting yourself under his protection and under his provision. And then it's the husband's job to handle that with grace and kindness. Okay? Now, inevitably, there's going to be disagreements that come up where there is a stalemate. Okay? Where no one can agree. And it's that moment that it is our job, wives, to defer to our husband. And if we have a godly husband with goodwill, we're trusting God that he's going to guide us to a decision that's made out of love. Now, with that being said, let's make a little tangent. Does this mean that a wife should submit to a man when he's physically abusing the children, doing something illegal, doing something evil, wrong? Of course not, okay? When a man acts this way, he's not being goodwilled. And he's forfeited his right to be the head. That's not saying you blindly follow them into a ditch and you do something illegal or immoral or wrong, okay? That's not the idea, okay? The idea is following your husband as he follows Christ. Now, the truth is, when love and respect are both present, couples can usually come up with a solution or some way that they can both be okay with. But in that conflict, girls, we got to stay respectful, okay? because that's gonna draw your husband like a magnet and that will motivate him to act with love. Your husband wants the acknowledgement from you that he is the leader. This is not to treat you as inferior, okay? Being the leader means the responsibility falls on his shoulders. Now, if both people try to act as the head, many times I've heard my husband say, two heads makes a monster, right? You know, that's not normal. There's one head, okay? You can even tell your husband that you see him as having more authority because he has more responsibility before God. And you're going to make a choice and choose not to be the boss. How many times have you seen a married couple and you knew, how many times have you heard the statement made, well, we know who wears the pants in that family, right? And why is that? Because you knew that the woman exerted authority and control over the house. We could go on a whole nother tangent about why that phrase has to do with holiness, but we won't, okay? <laughs> One wife said, I believe that ultimately a refusal to submit or respect your husband is a refusal to trust God. If we as women believe that God is working in our lives and in our husband's lives, and we can place ourselves under his, God's authority, then we can submit to and respect our husbands. When you exert control over your husband, you're essentially saying, I don't trust God. And you, oh, but if I don't do this, this is going to happen. Do you trust more in yourself than you trust in God? Because if you emasculate your husband and make him feel like less than a man and you're disrespecting him and I don't trust you and I don't believe in you, essentially what you're saying is I don't trust God. I don't trust that God is working in my husband's life. Okay? I. I is for insight. Appreciate your husband's desire to analyze and counsel. All right, I'm going to read you a quick story here that started out the chapter on insight. She had little or no respect for her husband. Behind his back, she constantly put him down, mocking him and making fun of his ideas and opinions. One day while shopping, 
she thought it would be interesting to stop at his office just to see where and how he worked. She called him up on her cell phone, and he said, well, sure, I'm a little busy, but come on up. When she got there, he was indeed busy, and she had to wait a few minutes as he dealt with various people. From where she sat, she couldn't help but see that her husband's co-workers gave him high respect. So did his boss and his attractive young secretary. Then an older man came to her husband's desk, obviously someone who was more experienced with the company, but who still worked under him. She didn't know exactly why, but her stomach churned a little when she heard the older man say to her husband, yes, sir. Then his secretary came by to give him some papers and she felt shame and a little fear as she saw how this classy young woman looked up to her husband. Finally, she had a chance to visit her husband, but she quickly cut it short, said goodbye, told him she would see him that evening. She made it to the car, got in, and burst into tears. She thought of all the times she had put him down and made fun of him behind his back, and then it hit her. She didn't disrespect him because of his actions toward her or because he was a lousy husband. She realized the real problem was that he wasn't what she wanted him to be. This woman had been missing at least two things about her husband. One, he had a lot of insight and a lot of ability that she was ignoring to her loss. And two, he wanted the same kind of respect at home that he got at work. Now, for many years, you may have heard about the power of a woman's intuition. And we know that God, and you know, I know that my husband has told me before, you know, hey, honey, or, you know, I've sensed a red flag or had a feeling and I would share it because God does speak to women and women sometimes can notice things that men don't true but you can't let the pendulum swing so far that we don't recognize that we as women have blind spots too and we need the insight of our husbands it's scriptural you can look in the Bible the very first couple Eve was the one that was deceived by the serpent and then she got Adam to listen to her and he disobeyed God because he listened to her. Scripture says Eve was deceived, Adam listened to the voice of his wife, and then was cursed for disobeying. It doesn't say that Adam was deceived, it said that he disobeyed. And he disobeyed after being convinced by his wife to do something that God had said not to do. The thing we need to realize as wives is that while we may have some good intuition, our husbands have some good insight that we should acknowledge and heed to. And let me just make a little thing that I feel I need to say here. It's not in my notes. But we live in a day and age where every TV show you turn on about a family makes the husband look like an idiot. Makes him look like he's stupid, that he doesn't know what he's talking about. The kids make fun of him behind his back. The wife thinks that he's just a, a Neanderthal and doesn't know how to think for himself. And that's created a very scary culture and mindset in our day and age and we cannot let that creep into our marriages because we have men that are godly men of honor of wisdom i mean think about this so many people they want to talk about oh evolution and we came from apes and all this. but when god created adam adam was so wise he named every animal that god created he named them god said here's the animals adam named them okay he was a wise man. He had wisdom. He had knowledge. He was learned, okay? And we need to return back to that biblical idea. Husbands and wives need each other. Another area that I think, it, and this really can come and hit home in the church, is where women and wives are being really deceived by the enemy 
When many wives begin to voice criticism about how their husbands fail to be the spiritual leader in their home. And wives, man, they're making a list of what our husbands, this is what they should be doing. If they were spiritual leaders, they'd be doing this and how they lack in spiritual leadership. And basically it cuts them off before they even have a chance to try. Okay? If we treat our husbands with contempt like this, we're not going to draw them to a place of obedience in God. What we're doing is actually hurting them, and we're grieving God. Now, for a wife who isn't happy with your husband's leadership, here's some questions to internalize and ask yourself. Did my husband ever seek to lead in our marriage, but I differed because I thought it was stupid? Do I send him a message that I don't intend to follow him if he makes a decision contrary to what I believe is correct? Do I send a message that says, I want you to lead, but only when it bolsters and carries out my desires? Do I want my husband to be responsible, but if he's irresponsible, in my opinion, am I going to exercise the veto power? Do my words and actions communicate, well, honey, you're responsible, but I have the authority, okay? Ask ourselves, is our attitude one of self-righteousness? at least to some degree. Now, maybe not even in a malicious way. You love your husband, but you see his faults. You live with him. You know what mistakes he makes. You know his failures. And so you believe, hey, I'm a better person, and I'm going to help him change some things, okay? And what's scary is that some women get to the point in their marriage where they don't believe they're in the wrong at all. I'm not sinning. I mean, after all, if I have a bad attitude, it's just, you know, it's hormonal or, you know, it's that time of month, it's a chemical imbalance, I came from a dysfunctional family, you know. And so many wives, if a husband ever even attempts in the kindest, most respectful way possible to suggest that maybe she has an area that she can work on a little bit or a problem that maybe needs a little bit of correcting, Women can get so angered, they get offended, they tell their husband, you just don't understand, you don't have any compassion. Now, do women have some of those things? Of course we do, yes. But we do ourselves no service if we think that we have no sin. God's job is to try and make your husband into the way he should be. That's not our job. David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. God seeks to mold the man. That's not our job, ladies, to try to mold and make our man, okay? The bottom line is we need to appreciate our husband's desire to analyze, to counsel, and realize that he does have insight into situations, and we should treasure and count them as having value. Do our husbands have issues? Do they have weaknesses? Of course they do, but so do we, okay? R, R is for relationship. This is really cool, and I think this is a very easy one to do if you're like, where do I start? This is a good place to start if you're like, man, I have a lot of work to do, and I don't even know. I'm feeling overwhelmed. This is about appreciating your husband's desire for shoulder-to-shoulder friendship. Husbands are energized simply by the presence of their wife, okay? So even if he's involved in another activity and you sit next to him and pull up a chair, he can become motivated just by you being there. Men communicate by sharing experiences. Women share experiences by talking about them to each other, right? They examine and infuse the experiences with their impressions and emotions, but men are different. They share experiences by sharing an activity, okay? And this is what your husband wants to do with you. 
Wives need to understand this is such an important concept, but it's so simple. Sometimes, excuse me, sometimes doing nothing with your husband can speak volumes to him. Dr. Emerson talks about how one woman went with her husband to his deer stand, and they sat for hours waiting for the deer to come by, and they didn't really say anything. They weren't really talking. And as they walked back to the car, the husband said, that was awesome. She's thinking, what did we do? But she was just there. Another wife, she went out to her husband's workshop and just watched while he worked. He kind of looked up, kind of grinned at her, and she just kind of grinned back. And about an hour, he looked over and he said, I don't know what you're doing, but keep it up. <laughs> She's not doing nothing but just sitting there. Guys desire shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder friendship. And you're like, what do you mean by shoulder-to-shoulder? -shoulder? They did an experiment. I, I won't go in and read it. But they did this experiment with the guys and girls of different ages. And they had two chairs in a room, and they would send two women in there, and they would come out, and they would send two men in there, and they'd say, just go in there and, you know, do whatever you want. And what they found was almost every single time when they went in there, when the two girls went in there, they would take the two chairs and turn them towards each other and face each other and have conversation. But the guys would go in, two chairs facing forward, and they would just sit down, kind of glance over, hey, how you doing? And they might have a conversation, but they sure weren't turning themselves towards each other eye to eye. You know, that's what the girls did, but not the boys. But then what they found was, so then the question was, but who connected the most? Who connected? Because, I mean, they did this from, like, third grade, fifth grade, 10th grade seniors and adults. The 10th grade boys connected the most with shoulder to shoulder just discussing they weren't face-to-face, -face, okay? Sometimes guys just want to be with us without a lot of talking. Now, for the wife that has a million things on her to-do list, I can't, you know, we're watching TV, we're just sitting here watching the grass grow. I mean, hello, I got a million things I could do. But this is not wasted time to your husband, okay? Now, if you're a wife and you feel like, I really haven't been able to draw my husband out. I want to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with him. I want to be able to connect with him, but it's just not working. Just try sitting with him. Just don't talk, and if he's like, uh, what do you want? What you? Nothing. I'm just going to hang out. Just going to hang out, okay? Be close to him when he's doing an activity because he will be energized by this, and eventually he may begin to open up to you. Here's the key takeaway. Your husband has needs that we don't have. Our husbands do. And that need sometimes can be met, and it's in a way that feels so unnatural to us as women. I mean, to just sit in a room shoulder to shoulder, you don't turn towards each other, you're not talking to each other. This just feels so weird, okay? Cue all the jokes about women loving to talk, right? But in all seriousness, there are times when our husbands don't need to talk. He just wants to know you're there, okay? All right, S. S is for sexuality. Appreciate his desire for sexual intimacy. One couple did not have a happy marriage. She had laid down an ultimatum several years before. She would not respond to him sexually until he met her emotional needs. Now the Lord spoke to her and said, Who is supposed to be mature? You've been saved for many years and he is a new believer. She got the message. She decided, and I love the phrasing here, she decided to minister to her husband sexually. Not because she really wanted to, but she decided to do it as unto the Lord. Now, she didn't have as strong of a need for intimacy as her husband, but she decided she would meet the need and she would do it gladly. Did it help? Did he open up? Well, her words to Dr. Emerson was, as we lay there afterwards, I couldn't get him to shut up. So it worked for her anyhow. 
He began to open up. Someone said this, and this is so awesome. The devil will do everything he can to bring two people together sexually before marriage, but he will do everything he can to keep them away from each other after marriage. Dr. Emerson says it's time to kick the devil out of the marriage bed. Okay? Now, sex for him and affection for you is a two-way street. Husbands should minister to their wife's spirit to have access to their body. And wives should minister to their husband's body to gain access to his spirit. Now, a common thing that can be said that's said in the secular world, but it's not necessarily true, they'll tell you, oh, a man's greatest need is sex. It's greatest need. But no, a man's greatest need is respect. Is a sex a part of that? Yes, because it's symbolic of his deeper need for respect. By way of an analogy, so you can understand, a wife... We need emotional release, and a lot of times for us, that comes through talking. And when that need is met, we feel loved. Now, when a husband refuses to talk, that says to her, he, do, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about my need. A husband has a need for a physical release through intimacy, and when a wife refuses, that says to him that she doesn't care about his need. Think about this. Think about how unfair it is to tell a husband, I want you to have eyes only for me, but continually turn down any chance of intimacy. How are they supposed to survive and function? Only have eyes for me, but I'm drawing the line. We're not having intimacy. Another thing to take note in this area is that wives, you need to allow your husbands to be vulnerable and honest with you about times that they have struggles. You might even call them their dark side struggles with sexual temptation and things of that nature. This is not the time to become angry or judgmental, okay? They need understanding and compassion, okay? We talk to them. How many times have we told our husbands we have issues and we're talking about our worries, our fears, maybe we don't like our weight and how we look or something that's wrong with us, and, oh, we walk away, we've unburdened ourselves to our husband, and we just feel so much better. Our husbands, they have struggles too, but they're different from ours. And just because those issues are not our issues, doesn't mean that we shouldn't be there to listen when he needs to share, okay? A man is responsive to what he sees. God designed and created men to be visual. It's a struggle for them to avert their eyes when so many things are paraded in front of them on a day-in, day-out basis. And he needs his wife's understanding of those struggles. Here's the thing, girls. If the husband wanted to be untrue to you, do you think that he would bring up and say, help me pray, I'm really struggling today with a problem? No, he would not. So do your best to give your husband that sexual release he needs and let him know that you are working to understand his struggles, okay? As you talk to your husband about these things, you're creating a great opportunity for another connection because now you're not just connecting with him as his lover, but you're also connecting with him as a friend, someone that he can trust, someone that he can talk to, okay? So as you seek to incorporate these concepts. Remember, you've got to respect your husband's struggles. Respect his desire for you, okay? And don't give up. Husbands, if you're seeking to try to show love to your wife. Wives, if you're seeking to try to show love to your husband, don't give up. It's not going to change overnight, okay? But you have to be consistent. You have to be faithful. Continue to speak love and respect, even when it doesn't seem to be working right away. Don't interpret delay as defeat, okay? Have confidence that God is at work. As my husband is very fond of saying, 
Nothing you do is wasted because God keeps good records, okay? Husbands and wives need to practice the love and respect principles out of obedience to God and his word. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, okay? So when you're doing and you're trying to show love, you're trying to show respect, take it to another level in your mind. I'm not just doing this for my husband. I'm not just doing this for my wife. I'm doing this as unto the Lord. Now, the difference between unsuccessful couples and successful ones is that the successful ones, they keep getting up. They keep dealing with the issues. Unsuccessful couples, they want it easy. They want it now. They want their needs to be met. But the successful couple who shows maturity, they admit when they're wrong. They confess when they haven't been loving, when they haven't been respectful. Just remember, whatever I do for my spouse, I do it to Christ as well. As I'm closing, if you could stand, if you all don't mind on this last night of our marriage, Brother Mason, would you care to play just some music for me? As I'm closing and talking, actually the little chorus that was going through my mind, I know that we use this a lot of times in talking about love for our brother and sister in Christ, but you're my brother, you're my sister. I want to apply it in the biblical sense of a marriage relationship. The scripture tells us that if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. So if you've done it to your spouse, you've done it to Christ. A husband showing unconditional love to his wife is revealing his love for Christ. A wife showing unconditional respect for her husband is revealing her reverence for Christ. In the ultimate sense... Your marriage has nothing to do with your spouse and has everything to do with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, if you will practice love and respect, because beyond your spouse, you're not just looking at them, but you're seeing Jesus. At some point, when the rapture takes place and you stand before him in judgment, we want to hear him tell us, well done, my good and faithful servant. The way that you respond to your spouse is your responsibility. My spouse doesn't cause me to be the way I am. He or she reveals the way I am. Think about the comparison if you had a grain of sand and that grain of sand got in your eye and stayed there and began to cause irritation. Eventually it could cause an infection, true? But let's say that same piece of sand got in an oyster and begins to irritate inside the oyster, what happens? A pearl is formed. Same grain of sand, but with two entirely different outcomes. So when life with your spouse causes irritation, you can let it develop into an infection, or you can allow it to become a pearl. You always have a choice. You can choose to respond in a godly way, or you can choose to respond in a sinful way. To respond in a godly way takes great maturity. It takes a leap of faith at times. It takes trust in God, especially when you have been hurt. Remember that your spouse can affect you, but does not control you. I can experience hurt, but it is my choice to hate. It is worth the effort to stick it out and work through the issues. Think about this in closing tonight. I have these two glasses that we've been referring to are pink and blue. If I put these together, 
what color does that make? Purple, right? When pink and blue come together, it can make God's purple. Royalty. Two become one with God at the center. When husbands and wives come together as one, they can form a beautiful image of God. So we're going to refer back at the end of this again to our scripture we started with, Ephesians 5.33. Let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. I would like for all the husbands and wives in here just to put your arm around your spouse, hold hands, whatever you feel comfortable doing. And we're going to sing this little chorus that says, you're my brother, you're my sister. And I want you to take and apply this to the concept of your marriage with your spouse. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us if we're walking side by side. Would you take a moment as the Masons lead us in this course and let's just take a moment and ask God to help our marriage tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.